Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, and through to chapter 5, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Just, uh, sorry, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope. When you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, he, uh, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each does its part, each part does its work. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the, mind, in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we're all members of one body, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you, as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Finding an excuse is not easy to do, even for the most creative. 
Maybe it's because you're trying to explain why you can't attend a certain party that you've committed to go to, or maybe a way of wriggling out of um, an obligation uh, to absent yourself from something and you really want to, uh, to get out of it. Uh, clear thinking is something that a number of parents don't always get right when writing to the school to excuse their children for an unintended absence. One letter went, Dear school, please excuse John from being absent on January the 28th, 29th, 30th, 31st, 32nd, and also 33rd. <laughs> Another letter, please excuse Brian for being. It was his father's fault. Please excuse Sarah for being absent. She was sick and I had her shot. <laughs> Please, uh, Sally won't be in school in a week from Friday. We have to attend her funeral. That wouldn't go down so well. Uh, please excuse our daughter for missing school yesterday. We forgot to get the Sunday paper off the porch and we found it on Monday, but we thought it was Sunday. Winston Churchill said this, a lie gets half the way around the world before the truth has chance to get its trousers on. Everyone loves the truth, but not everyone tells it. Uh, I was uh, reading Ephesians and um, made uh, some passing remarks the other week about alternative facts. Uh, do you remember that? Or fake news. It's something that we're surrounded by a lot. Uh, there's a lot of kind of uh, reasons perhaps why people choose to believe or would be willing to believe or question the basis of truth. Words are everywhere trying to tell us something. And often we're cre creative in how we use the truth or maybe not tell the whole truth. Have you ever heard or used these phrases? Uh, the checks in the post. The younger amongst us are going, what are checks? Um, I'll start my diet tomorrow. We believe we can't find cheaper anywhere else. Just give me your number and I'll call you straight back. One size fits all. I'm sorry to bother you, but the questionnaire will only take two minutes of your time. Congratulations, you've already won a prize in our £50,000 draw. Open wide, this won't hurt a bit. <laughs> I'm from the Inland Revenue, I'm here to help you. There is a loss of, of truth in the public world. And so often, we communicate by these half-truths or claims of semi-truth. Politicians are, are told that they are spinning. Remember Bill Clinton on oath claimed not to have had improper sexual relations with his intern. I guess in the letter of what he said, that was true, but the sense and the understanding of that, not. 
we've had a big um, judicial inquiry recently into the, the basis of the Iraq war and the dodgy dossier and, and did the government lie? How do we react when so often we're called to filter what is true and what is not? Are we with moral outrage? Or maybe we've just come to terms with that's just the way of life. Politicians, economical with the truth. Statistics are managed. They can say whatever they want. Expenses are inflated. Our CV has some creative padding. Alibis are invented. Product defects overlooked. Excuses manufactured. And promised deadlines slide. We lie about lying in all sorts of ways. A policeman stops a speeding car and asks to see the driver's license. The motorist confesses he hasn't got one. He's banned, been banned before for drink driving. The officer requests the vehicle documents, but it's not the driver's car. He admits that it's been stolen. You can imagine the policeman's expression. The driver adds that he saw the logbook in the glove compartment where he stowed his gun after shooting the owner and stuffing the body in the back. The officer immediately radios for backup, and the vehicle is soon surrounded by police. A detective inspector approaches and asks the suspect again for his license. The motorist produces it. When the inspector asks who owns the car, I do, replies the driver. Here's the logbook. The detective wants to see inside the glove compartment. I've been told there's a gun. The driver complies. It's empty. And when the inspector asks to look in the boot, that's empty too. I don't get it, says the detective. The officer who stopped said, you no license, you're in possession of a stolen vehicle, a gun, and there's a body in the boot. Really, says the driver. I bet he said I was speeding too. Imagine what would happen if you did tell the truth, even for a day. Uh, that's the premise of the film by Jim Carrey, Liar, Liar. Seen it? I don't know. Uh, it's, it's about a lawyer uh, whose son wishes for just one day that his dad would tell the truth. And it comes true. And in one day, he loses a court case, offends his work colleagues, makes his secretary quit, and his mother vows never to talk to him again. In one day. Being honest gets Jim Carrey into trouble. And most of us live with that kind of mindset, or very often. But it comes as a shock to tell us when the Bible actually has a lot of things to say about many things, but particularly truth-telling. Exodus 20, 16, in the list of what we call the Ten Commandments, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. One of the ten. In Ephesians 4, 25, we read it. Therefore, each of you must put a falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we're all members of one body. 429, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of, of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Proverbs 6, the six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. So lying, according to the Bible, is not simply wrong, the ninth commandment, because it denies truth and is contrary to the nature of God, but it also is abusing truth. 
And that actually affects our relationship with others and ourselves. Lies aren't simply wrong, although it's clear that they are. Lies hurt us and others. And we may protest, surely not. Most of them are harmless, aren't they, little white ones? They just shift the focus away from us to somewhere else, gets us off the hook. But by getting us off the hook, it probably puts others onto it. All lies have a price tag. There is a cost of lying, serious financial costs. Uh, we're only too aware in, in manifesto promises of going after the tax evaders. In other words, fraudulent economics. Not declaring fully. The insurance companies and uh, the questionable claims, maybe for whiplash, maybe for things that were stolen or broken or not, Maybe one gets away with it, but the knock-on is for all of us, higher premiums. Mothers may say, well, everyone is at it, therefore we trust no one. But implicitly that robs community. It robs our ability to relate. You see, the, an atmosphere of lies or dishonesty or cyn cynicism about whether we can believe the truth affects all of our relationships at home and at work and especially in the community of faith. Is it a coincidence that the prevalence of lying is also at a time of unprecedented breakdown of families and marriage? You see, relationships are founded essentially on openness and trust. And when lying creeps in, Openness and trust can't last for long. We really can't believe anything anyone says anymore, even perhaps ourselves. You see, when we begin to lie, we begin to assume that that is what is also happening in others. When we begin to distort truth and things become relative, we begin to lose the fact that there is ultimate, absolute truth and everything is then perception. But that's untrue. There is always truth. Science and engineering and medicine demonstrate that truth is not relative. Ask, um, ask yourself when you get on a plane, if you get on a plane, whether the engineers believe in truth or they made it up. Does this thing fly and why? Truth matters. We don't go to the doctor and expect them to deceive us. See, God is truth, but so often we replace that commitment and that understanding of truth and prefer what the Bible would call darkness. We swap light for dark, goodness for evil, right for wrong, Love for hatred, truth for lies. It may seem a small thing, but lying really matters. Nothing is hidden from him. It's not that we live with the 11th commandment, thou shalt not get found out. Or maybe if we do get found out, that we know that, well, I'm just saying sorry. Living with untruth matters.
preponderance to lies within all of us. We see it in the, the original story, Adam and Eve, man and woman in the garden, the blame, the denial, the shifting of truth. And often lying accompanies every other form of wrongdoing. Have you noticed that? We will seek to deny, to lie, to shift away to protect our mistake. We like to cover up, to cover over. We don't want people to know. Two uh, students were studying organic chemistry at university, and the students were really doing very well. They were top of their class, and they had a final exam. Trouble was, they were so confident in their abilities, they decided to go out for a party the night before. It was a wonderful night in their view. One led, thing led to the other, and unfortunately, they ended up both sleeping in in the morning, and they missed the exam. Disasterville. But they were both, both clever and creative. So they went to see their uh, lecturer afterwards. They explained that they'd been visiting um, a sick, out-of-town relative the night before. On the way home, their car had got a flat tire. There was no spare in the boot, no car jack, so they were, uh, they were stranded and only managed to hitch a lift back to town by mid-morning. They were really, really, really very sorry that they'd missed the exam, and they were so looking forward to it, but wondered whether they might be able to sit the, afternoon, the exam in the afternoon. The lecturer concluded that would be fine, since they hadn't had time to be in, the in touch with the other students in the morning's exam. So after a short break for lunch, the students were ready to sit the test. The lecturer put them in different rooms, handed each one of them the exam booklet, and told them to begin. Page one, question one, simple starter for five marks. This will be easy. Having turned over to page two, question two, 95 marks, simple question, which, which tire burst? I probably don't have to convince you that, that lying is about, about us. But Paul challenges us to say, follow God's example. Other translations have that as be imitators of God. We know that God is always truthful. There is nothing false in him. So by implication... To be an imitator of God, to follow God's way, is to imitate his character. Paul has phrased it like this, to put off things, to put on things. Why? What we wear shows, is visible. For the Christian, we're to put off the things that are contrary to the character of God and to put on the things that show what God is like. For we're his body, we're his representatives. Calvin, the theologian, says, all correct knowledge of God originates in obedience. It's that choice to put off and put on. When we, when we read through Scripture, actually this thing of, of what we say, what we do with our mouth, has massive importance, that words have power. A few uh, years ago, 
Duncan kind of shocked the youth group. He, um, he was doing a talk and a demonstration, and he, he got this big plate and a cover, and the youth were all there, and um, he was wanting to talk to them about the power of the tongue. And he lifted the cover off, and underneath was a big ox tongue, a raw one. It's quite long. You can go to the butcher and ask for one. And he kind of picked it up, and he sort of swung it about a bit. And you can imagine the reaction of the youth. Go, ah, what's that horrible thing? And he said to them these kind of words. That this tongue is one of the most dangerous things in the world. It's not guns. It's not bombs. He says, the tongue is the most dangerous thing in the world. And at the root of so much, pretty much all of violence, all of division, the root cause is the tongue, not the ox tongue, but ours. James chapter 3, verse 8, but no person can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Paul, James, the ninth commandment, what we say, what comes out of the mouth has a great deal to do with our faith, our spirituality, our maturity. Our tongue has power for good and for evil. It's worth being reminded that lying doesn't come freely. There's always a price. I've already expressed in that they're there, out there, the, the bigger picture, there's a cost, but also to ourselves. Lying causes problems. Too often, lies kind of form a web of deceit, and it becomes really, really complicated. It might take care of the immediate, but it does store up problems for the future. Abraham Lincoln, that wise president of yesteryear, says, no one has a good enough memory to be a successful liar. Any child soon discovers that. Lies have a habit of growing. Luther, the theologian, lies are like a snowball. As they roll, the bigger they get. To cover up one, we generally need to tell another. The more that lies are told, the bigger they get, the more likely they are to be exposed. The more likely they are to unravel, catch you out. Lies also not just affect the others. They affect you, me, those who say it. You see, they corrode, actually, our sense of self-worth and who we are. They, they rob us of identity. They rob us, really, of what reality is. When we start to blur and dissolve the line between truth and fiction, we start to get into a very shaky place. Bette Midler, that um, singer, actress, said, I never know how much of what I say is true. Gosh. The liar ends up unable to trust others because at the root of it is, if I'm perpetuating it, I'm sure others are. I can't really believe myself, therefore why should I believe others? And as such, all relationships begin to shake. If I lie, perhaps I'm being lied to. What is my understanding of reality? If it starts to get colored, everything else starts to get colored too. It's hard to believe what people say. 
A liar ultimately is like a chameleon, changing to adapt, but in changing to adapt, a loss of self-esteem, a loss of who I really am. We also, when we lie, begin to lose the ability to detect what is wrong with our own lives. I don't know if you heard it in the text, that the Gentiles, in all their, their ways, had hardened, had a hardened heart. That lying does that. If we live lives that are fabricated, it actually hardens the heart in ourselves and present, prevents us from being warned by the Spirit. can kind of dull the heart, dull the spirit, dull the mind. And we become less and less conscious of truth and reality. Truth sets us free. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus never lies. Truth sets us free individually and in society. It becomes a great weight when we can set the record straight. A great weight off our shoulders. Conscience is cleansed, guilt is removed, the record is made right. To obey the truth, John says in 8.31, the words of Jesus, is to be free. To the Jews who had believed, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. especially important within the community of faith. The letter is addressed to us. When we commit to honesty, not cruelty, honesty, you rely, we rely on each other. We build relationship. We build each other up. We're not the recipients of deception. Paul urges us to become people of truth, to put off the bad, to put on the good, to tell the truth. How do we do this? There's a really great little word that helps us do this. Think. Have you ever heard that? Think before you speak. Do you know that one? If you break each letter down, is it true? T. Will it help? H. Is it inspiring? The I. Is it necessary? The N. And is it kind? Okay. Think. True, help, inspiring, necessary, and kind. Honestly encourage and build one another up. Tell the truth. Again, Winston Churchill, at a dinner party one evening, there was a heated debate between him and a female MP. Um, actually, I won't tell you that. It's not necessary. It'll distract you. Do you want to hear it? Be an encourager, not like Winston Churchill. At a dinner party one evening, there was a heated debate between him and a female MP. Winston Churchill was a great wordsmith. At the end of the exchange, the woman scornfully remarked, Mr. Churchill, you're drunk. And you, madam, replied Churchill, are ugly. But tomorrow I shall be sober. <laughs> Clever reply, but it was hurtful and probably destroyed any relationship they might have had. When we talk about truth, we must be kind and encourage and is necessary. Will it help? Does it inspire? 
right? He tried to honestly encourage and praise what is good, builds on the character of God, be an imitator of God, a follower of Jesus. If we start to slip into the lying, the deception, the half-truth, the white lie, it erodes who we are. And always lies get found out and they erode the relationship with someone else because no longer is our word always true. Be true to your word. People who are honest keep what they say. Let your yes be yes and no be no. When we break that, it breaks relationship, it hurts people. It causes mistrust, it generates unhealthy suspicion and questioning, particularly in family of which churches, but also in our natural families. Think carefully before making a promise to make sure you can keep it. Be prepared to say no rather than break a promise. That honesty is vital in healthy society, in our culture, and lying is so prevalent. Honesty is needed, truth is needed, relationship especially in church. And to close a story. Coming home from work, a woman stopped at a, a corner delicatessen to buy a chicken for the supper. The butcher reached into the barrel and grabbed the last chicken he had. He flung it on the scales because he was tired behind the counter and told the woman its weight. She thought for a moment, mm, I think I really need a bit more chicken than that. She said, do you have any larger ones? The butcher, without a word, picked the chicken, put it back into the barrel, groped around as if finding for another, and pulled out the same chicken, put it back on the scales. This chicken weighs one pound more, he said. Hmm, the woman pondered for a moment. Okay, I'll take both of them. <laughs> Honesty always is the best option. Should we pray?